Welcome to the ASA podcast. My name's Kerry Thoyers. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the Sonography Journal. Today I'm talking with Donna Omens, who is the principal author of an article published in the March issue of Sonography. Donna, I'd like to thank you for your article, Ultrasound of Dialysis Fistula, Factors Influencing Australian Practice. I was really interested in this article when it was submitted because I think ultrasound assessment of dialysis fistula can be very challenging for sonographers. Um, Just for clarity, for people, dialysis fistula are also sometimes referred to as arteriovenous fistula or AVF. Um, So Donna, firstly, can I ask you to explain in lay terms what a dialysis fistula is and why they're so important for the dialysis patient? Hi, Kerry. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak on this topic that I'm so passionate about. You're absolutely right. Arteriovenous fistula or AVF are often referred to as dialysis fistulas to distinguish them from other arteriovenous fistulas, which can occur from, say, an injury to an artery or vein, such as occurs during a renal biopsy. Um, A surgically created AVF is where the artery gets connected directly to a vein and this makes a low resistance circuit which is how the the nurses can continually cannulate for people to go on dialysis which is their lifeline. AVF is sometimes referred to as vascular access because it does allow for access but it can confuse people as there are many forms of vascular access such as a central line. Some dialysis patients may also have an arteriovenous graft, which is slightly different again, but much less common in Australia, so we mainly focus on ABF. So as you can see, the more we talk about terms, the more we can make them accessible to all sonographers who may need to scan a fistula. Okay, thanks. So that makes that clear. Does every patient who's undergoing renal dialysis need to have their dialysis fistula scanned? And and why do they need this scan and how often would they need to have it? So most patients who um, are going to have to undergo dialysis know that that is coming up. And so they would usually have a mapping ultrasound before they need to go on dialysis. So this is to provide the best real estate. We want to put the best fistula in the first time because there's only so many places you can have a fistula in the body and so we want to make sure we find the best artery and vein to do that so that they have the most um, robust fistula created. After surgery the AVF is usually scanned at about six to eight weeks and that's to determine if it's maturing and this means that is there enough flow through that fistula to support a dialysis session because they need quite a lot of flow through them Um, whether the segment where they're going to put the needles is large enough and close enough to the skin for them to be able to place those needles and whether the vein has started to undergo changes that remodel the walls to make them a little more robust for that needling. At our practice, it is... um, we do a surveillance scan every year for every um, fistula, well-functioning or not. And then if there are any problems, such as if the dialysis nurses are having trouble cannulating the fistula or if there's excessive bleeding when they pull the needles out, it can indicate that there's a problem. Um, and so there's some of the reasons that we would be asked to um, scan a fistula. And some patients we may see up to six times a year pre- and post-intervention and things like that. Okay, so in the article um, that you wrote, you report on a survey that you undertook which asked sonographers about some aspects of their experience with um, AV scans. What inspired you to do the survey? 
And where I work, I'm really lucky to do a lot of ABF scans because I really like them. But they are a really complicated study with sort of hemodynamics that we don't really see elsewhere in the body. And so over the years, I've been approached by lots of sonographers asking and saying that they find scanning fistulas quite stressful and wanting a bit of help. And I wanted to find out why it was stressful. Was it because some centres don't do many or was it actually the study itself that was stressful? So I was hoping that if it was a matter of more educational support and a clearer understanding of what the AVS circuit is, we might be able to help sonographers feel a little bit less overwhelmed by the study and then ultimately um, be more confident in performing these studies. Okay, so, so what did you find? Is it about the number of scans that sonographers are scanning or is it about the education or is it both? It's possibly a bit of both. 91% responded yes to whether they thought more knowledge would help them understand how the circuit and the fistula works. And that's, of course, very important when you've got a scan one. Um, there was a free text question that sort of asked it specifically about what would make them more comfortable when scanning fistula. But this was only answered by about 19 of the total respondents. Of that 19, nine felt that more numbers was what was important and 11 said that education is what they wanted to make them more comfortable. There was a different question about how did sonographers prefer to have education delivered around scanning fistulas and that was really well answered and of that um, 68% chose workshops as their preferred option. Okay, so also note when I read it that 28 of the respondents rated themselves as less than competent in performing this type of scan. So, and they all of these that said this were only doing less than 20 um, AVF scans a month. So I guess this is the group of sonographers that we need to support so that we're giving our patients the best service possible, um, particularly in rural areas where specialist sonography services might not be was available. In the article, you raise a few strategies um, that would help in providing this support. So one of those strategies that you mentioned was about um, the departments or the sonographers themselves working closely or building a relationship with their local dialysis units. Do you have any suggestions on how to develop those relationships? I think um, a good start in like a lot of things is just introducing yourself at the unit, if that's at all possible. Um, it's always easier for a nurse to reach out if they're worried about a patient, if they've met the sonographer or know the department. I also think that seeing how the nurses put patients on and off the dialysis machines help them understand the problems that the nurses encounter. And inviting then the nurses up to watch you scan one of their patients is usually appreciated. The nurses actually are really quite keen to have that collaborative um, relationship. And it can also be really simple things like um, we sometimes will draw in marker on the skin where the usable segment or where the nurses have to cannulate the fistula runs and any twists or turns or, or tributaries that might be taking off and making it difficult. And this is really helpful for them, particularly in a new AVF, because it, they can then visualise where the, um, the vein is, is going and how they can approach it best with their needling. So that makes them really happy. Um, and we sometimes do that for new home dialysis patients as well. So it helps them sort of visualise it. And so sharing all these processes um, and, the, and the rationales of what we've done that with the nurses really helps to develop that cooperative relationship, I think. Um, you also flag the clinical knowledge um, of the 
patient's history is important to sonographers. So do you have any um, suggestions on how this uh, clinical knowledge, sonographers can access that more easily or better? Yes. Um, one thing is it's really good once you start to develop this relationship with the dialysis nurses is, and I know that it's an extra step, but it is incredibly helpful, is to ask for the dialysis numbers. Um, the nurses acquire these numbers every dialysis session and they um, can guide you into whether where a problem might be, whether it's an inflow problem or an outflow problem, depending on whether the numbers, which number has gone up, the arterial number or the venous number. So that is sometimes um, ringing the unit and just saying, can I have the numbers? And they'll, they know exactly it's three numbers. They know what they are. So, and if you then, you know, we could maybe develop a little chart and have a chart for people so they know what's good and what's not good. And um, so that's a, a relatively simple, simple thing. Um, having that understanding about those things and what happens in a fistula, performing um, a physical examination of the fistula is so helpful and can give the sonographer so much clinical information. So the the physical assessment is about um, palpating the fistula. Um, to make sure that they've got a thrill. Every fistula should have a thrill, which is a bit like a, a buzzing or an electric shock under your fingertips, and that's from the vessel walls vibrating as all the flow rushes around the corner of the swing vein. And it's sort of the palpable equivalent of a brewery that you hear with a stethoscope. So every fistula should have one thrill, and um, Dr Swinnon, I like to call it the law of Swinnon, says one thrill per fistula. If you have a second thrill, that can indicate that there's a stenosis and you're getting that, um, that vibrating of the wall where you've got all the flow rushing through a stenosis. So it's sort of teeing you up to say I need to look very carefully at that area where that second thrill is. And conversely, if there's no thrill, when you palpate it, you're going to be thinking either that the fistula is really, really deep and you can't feel it or that there's something seriously wrong with that fistula because the thrill doesn't disappear unless the, um, the fistula is really threatened. So you can see that just by simply placing your hands on the fistula can give you quite a lot of clinical information. Okay, that's really good. There's a lot of information that you've provided there, so that's great. Um Education is always important for sonographers. We know that. What did sonographers say about the knowledge that they needed and how do you think that it's best that this education is delivered? Every um, respondent said that they would like more education, um, which I think is a powerful thing about sonographers. We like to learn. And the most powerful, the most popular, sorry, responses were webinars and workshops. Um, because I think watching how somebody approaches that study and being able to see them step through that is a really great transfer of knowledge. Um, so that seemed to be how they felt that would be best delivered. You also raised workplace resources um, in the paper. So what type of resources do you think that sonographers need in the workplace I think every practice should have a well-written protocol with perhaps some examples of what images are required, what the criteria are, and some description of the importance of what an AVF is and whether that is so that that can just be something that sits next to a sonographer as they're running through the study and they can keep being um, prompted what to do next would be lovely. Um, and, of course, it would be wonderful if every practice 
could have an experienced sonographer that could guide some of those that are less experienced. Um, I think also having practices allow adequate time to learn this this type of scan because it is a slightly different mind shift, um, you know, where you've got arteries and veins all mixing. So I think just taking time to be able to to work through it in a really logical um, format and not feeling that you're rushed. Um, I, I sort of do have this dream that um, it would be wonderful if we could have this kind of mentoring program that if, say, perhaps you saw on your list tomorrow that you have an ADF study and you're not very certain about it, you could schedule a video chat with someone who is experienced and so it would almost be like you have them in the room with you guiding you through that process. And I think for more isolated or inexperienced sonographers, it would be so helpful. Um, and the problem, I'm sure, is not that we couldn't get sonographers to do this kind of mentoring across every aspect of sonography, but it's more a matter of finding time if they're having to do it in work hours. But um, anyway, that's a pipe dream. It's okay to have pipe dreams. I always think that if you... Um, even only partially reached that dream at least you've achieved something so that doesn't hurt so thanks for your time today Donna Um, that was very interesting and if people want to read Donna's article it's available in the latest issue of Sonography that's March 2022 so thanks um, Donna and thanks people for listening thank you Kerry thank you for listening to this episode of the ASA podcast Head to the show notes or the ASA website to find more information, resources and CPD activities.